0: zeros zeros
1: zero, zero, na- zero, 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 na- It's hot at night in the summertime. The Hello summer- and welcome to the Red Card District. I'm joined once again by Andrew Mangan from Ars Blog. You can follow him on Twitter at Ars Blog. Uh, good to have you on, Andrew. Good to be back. Have you enjoyed the World Cup? Ah, oh, it's been it's been smashing. I mean, really, i've uh, had have enjoyed a little bit of the reprieve in a few of these past few days, having a little break intermittently between a couple of these matches yeah. just because the rest of the life was starting to just revolve entirely around watching the world Cup in the morning <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and my sleep schedule was definitely suffering when, we were, when they were having those earlier matches. So,
0: oh, yeah, you had that to deal with. We didn't really have that. It was very nicely. Uh, set out for us here in europe sure because it was a game uh i think in the group stages there was a game uh maybe one and four and seven something like that i can't remember exactly maybe it was earlier i've forgotten but they were nicely placed you know even the even the uh the knockout games you know there'd be one at three and then one at seven so yep. it was all very civilized here
1: yeah, it's it's wonderful when it's like that. You know, we had it was a little better for us last time around in in Brazil. You know, a bit closer to our our time zone. Yeah. But um, but yeah, when the when they had those three matches during the group stages, that was a that was a five a.m. start for us, and uh, that was a bit precarious to say the least. But um, no no shortage of excitement. Uh, we had a couple very exciting World Cup semifinals. Mm. Um the first of which many people considered to be the match between the two favorites with France and Belgium. Um, I heard you breaking it down with Andrew Allen and Tim Stillman this morning, a bit of the reaction in regards to England, but uh, I want to start with the first match with, with France and Belgium. Um, What do you think, what do you think particularly were the shortcomings from Belgium uh, in, in that match? Because it seemed like a team that had been very effective on the break and, and, Used so much creativity, lacked a lot. Um, do you think it came down more to the defensive setup by France, or more uh, their own
0: failure? Maybe a little of both. I think France were very good, very well organized, very disciplined. You know, when you look at Paul Pogba back in his own box, winning headers and competing and defending, it's not something. Uh, it's not something he's well known for, I guess. It, you know, it's not something he, he he's completely alien to, but we know he's. Um, he likes to be a bit more expansive, I think we we could say. Um, so when you see France playing like that, you know it's going to take something special from one of their special players to, to break it down for Belgium. And I don't think their special players really performed on the night. I, I I'd sort of question... The deployment of De Bruyne, where exactly he was playing, I'm not sure it suited him that well. Eden Hazard couldn't really do anything. Uh, He was probably their most dangerous player. Lukaku didn't get a kick. And when you look at the way the game was won with a a set piece goal, and then stout defending from France, it was quite, quite one nil to the arsenal in some ways. You know, it's very difficult. For a team to break down another team defensively when they are that good and that that well organized, regardless of how many great uh, players you have, how many great attacking players you have, and I think that's just what it boiled down to for Belgium. They just ran out of ideas and they they couldn't they couldn't unpick the lock.
1: Yeah, they didn't seem to have much of any answer. And and like you said, um, I think I think a lot of credit is to be given to France for the way that they defended and and really took Lukaku out of that out of that match. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most important things we've seen from France has been a really good defensive solidarity, and I think by far, I think it's pretty clear to say they've had like the best defensive center back partnership in the tournament. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, a guy like you know Raphael Varane has been, for a lot of people, is kind of the maybe even the air inherent, the air inherent for you know one of the best center backs in the world. You know, with his his size and his pace and his reading of the game, given yeah. all of his natural gifts you know, he had a very imperious game and matching him up with Umtiti, who has, you know, has, hasn't has always really convinced completely at Barcelona yet. You know, I mean, I think you've seen a lot of promise from him, but it still seemed seem to kind of play more like as a young centre-back that makes some errors, yeah. has really shown a maturation and really played played quite well. And, and that partnership seemed to have been the best that we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I thought Varane was absolutely superb in the, in the semi-final. Uh, you know, he marshaled Lukaku perfectly and... Uh, That's one of the things or one of the doubts that people have over Lukaku is he does score a lot of goals and he is clearly a very good player. But when he comes up against the very best defenders, I think he struggles. Um, Not that he's, you know, predictable, but there just isn't perhaps the the extra bit to his game that he needs or that a striker needs to to score goals against the best defenders. You know, someone like Thierry Henry always had it. Sure, You could see it. You know, I remember him leaving Marcel Desai when he was playing for Chelsea, just leaving Desai ruined on the floor. And he, you know, he would do it to pretty much every defender. And you had confidence that it, regardless of who you were playing, Thierry Henry had the ability... Didn't do it every time, but he had the ability to to score a goal or to make something happen. I don't think that's true of Lukaku, um, but that's not to take anything away from Baran, who I think um, was was absolutely superb. Yeah, yeah. I mean that defensive partnership
1: just. I mean, it seems like something that's going to grow and that they can kind of ride on for for a good while. I mean, you would think those players are going to be around for you know, barring injury, for for quite a while, for several several more tournaments. Um, to your point on to your point on Pogba. Um, I don't know. I, ever since, you know, really, went, as soon as he left, he became. I became a big fan of him when he left Man United the first time, because you know, given the, <laughs> given the, given it to Sir Alex Ferguson it was something I could, I could thoroughly enjoy. Uh, and then, get, and getting to watch him develop and play at Juventus, you could see, you know, I think it was pretty obvious to anyone that has a decent eye the the talent that he had. Um, mm. But we've definitely seen it's been, you know, a challenge for him to you know, become the imperious midfielder and the the man that will live up to the price tag so far in the Premier League, which, you know, we have thoroughly enjoyed because, you know, when he does begin to play, like the player that we're seeing here in the tournament for Manchester United, they're going to become a whole different beast. Um, and I, I feel like some of their shortcomings in, in the midfield, uh, I, I don't think he's played exceptionally well in the Premier League so far. But, when, you know, if he does make that transition, that's uh, kind of bad news for the rest of us in the league.
0: Maybe it depends what Mourinho allows him to do as well, you know. Um, right. Well, with, with I, his, I his think... tactical
1: genius, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, you see the performance against Belgium is probably what Mourinho would really want from Pogba week in, week out. But I'm not sure that Pogba is that player. You know, he's not really a defensive minded player. Clearly, he's very fast. He's very physical. He's good in the air. He's strong. He has a lot of the attributes to do that job. But I think he, he, you know, for his own sake, um, likes to play further forward and to make an impact at the other end of the pitch, you know, with his passing or with his movement or arriving into the box. And, yeah, I'm I'm not sure really Manchester United is the right club for Paul Pogba, you know. I think, uh, certainly under the current manager, I don't think it is. There's too much going on between him and Mourinho for, for Pogba to to fully express himself or to realize the talent and the potential that he has. So uh, really, I think if we want to see the best of Paul Pogba, either United need a new manager or he needs to go somewhere else. You do wonder, don't you, in a a summer when Ronaldo has gone to Juventus, Madrid have got to make a signing. Sure. They can't let Cristiano Ronaldo go to Juventus and take in 105 million euros along the way. Uh, It shouldn't be overlooked without bringing in somebody of serious repute and i wouldn't be surprised if pogba was the guy they were after because they were after him before he went back to united it was a a close run thing i think between the two between the two clubs so maybe they'll go back and i think if they do he'd he'd jump at the chance he'd be mad not to
1: yeah i think that would be a, a great destination for him um it would be a little, little interesting to see how they fit him, him into the midfield, considering they have Cruz and Modric and all that there. I don't know that mm. – as, as good as Pogba is, I don't know that he's an upgrade on that partnership, which has you know, brought them three consecutive Champions Leagues. But you know those guys aren't getting any younger either. And like you said, they need to yeah, make I a mean, splash.
0: Yeah, I mean, Modric is 32 now, like a, gr- a really great player, but 32. So at some point, they have to start thinking about what they do next, certainly.
1: Certainly. And I I do expect them to, you know, I think the striker signing might be of a little more priority, but we'll we'll see what they do with that. Um mm-hmm. just a little just a little bit to go on the in terms of the attack for for France. You know, we have seen them. It's funny because they've almost been as reliant on the set piece as England were. You know, they've they've scored corners, headers. Um, yeah. although they have a lot more at their disposal talent-wise, um, you know, Griezmann's had a couple assists. I don't think we've really seen the best of him in this tournament so far. Um I'm not saying he's been a disappointment. You know, he's created chances and had, does have those couple assists. But um, you know, by far the the standout player for them going forward has been Kylian Mbappe. Mm. You know, three goals. He's really electrified the tournament. Um, I don't know. What, what, what say you in terms of in terms of what you've seen from their attacking prowess?
0: I would agree that Griezmann hasn't been quite as good as we would have liked or expected. Uh, but he has a couple of goals to his name as well, I think, doesn't he? A couple uh, of penalties. Three,
1: three two penalties. And- yeah,
0: so, you know, he, he's produced, and maybe that's something that we have to hang our hat on when it comes to Griezmann. He hasn't played as well as we know Griezmann can play, but at the same time, he's got end product. He's produced, and he's scored goals and important goals. Yeah, th- uh, Three uh, three goals
1: game. and two assists. I mean, that's if that's not production in mm. the World Cup, then there you yeah, go. Yeah,
0: exactly, and if you're not playing well and everybody can agree more or less that he hasn't played as well as we, we know he can. That's still decent. Olivier Giroud, I think is a, is a guy who maybe people might've expected a bit more from. He had chances, didn't he? in the in the other game where, yeah. you know, he had one of those nights where we've seen him have those for Arsenal in the yeah, past, yeah, um, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if Giroud popped up with a goal in the final. It just wouldn't. Right. Um, but Mbappe, yeah, he is, um he's, A player of real potential there's no question about that is there you look at him and you see the you see the pace you see the power you see the directness the the willingness to drive at opponents to take them on uh it's it's exciting watching him when he's in full flow the way he played against argentina was absolutely amazing oh yeah but you know at the same time he's still 19 and there are parts of his game where his decision making could be better and he runs into not blind alleys but he can get he can get crowded out a bit at times. And that will that will come with experience and maturing as a player. I think what's interesting to me is that people are talking about him at 19 years of age as the the next guy. You know, we have Messi and Ronaldo, we have Neymar, and now they're talking about Mbappe. I don't think it does anybody any good to try and categorize somebody as the next Messi or the next Ronaldo because I would be very surprised if we saw two players of the quality of Ronaldo and Messi again for 15 20 years sure that that absolute standout once in a lifetime quality there'll be lots of really good players and there'll be and there'll be some really great players as well but when you look at the the contribution. I mean, Ronaldo played 420 games for Real Madrid and scored 450, 40 goals. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, oh, it's insane. That is, it's absurd. It's you know, bad. a goal every other game is a good return. Yeah, it's a great by return. any standard. And he's scoring an average of you know one point something goals a game. It is just astonishing. But it is also, I think, once in a lifetime stuff. So we're not going to see that. So I do hope that they don't heap that kind of pressure on Mbappe. And in some way suggests that he's not realizing his <laughs> potential if he becomes a 25 goal, 30 goal a season striker right. for a number of seasons. You know, that's that, that'd be my worry there. But he is—he's really exciting, isn't he? And when you think about the the Croatian legs and how tired they must be after playing—don't let don't let them hear me say that, by the way—after um, playing 120 minutes three times in succession, as well as two penalty shootouts, which is Nerve wracking and energy sapping, and it, it, it's it's uh, m- mental strength. I know we talk about it, but it it, it yeah, psychological
1: mental fatigue. Yeah, tiring. I mean that's all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausted.
0: That's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking at. So the idea of Mbappe running at those guys is um, it would be scary for for me if I was a Croatia fan. I have to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, and to your point about his production, I mean, you know, the, I suppose. I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath on uh, the collective internet and world giving Mbappe a break as far as comparisons no, to these great players, because people—it's not like people do you know knee-jerk reactions and overreact to shit. Um, but even if you know, you know, the most the closest comparison that we see, you know, when we see a guy like Mbappe run the way he glides across the pitch, you can't help but think of the way Henri moved. You know, yep. and even a guy like Thierry Henri, who is you know arguably you know the greatest arsenal player or here Bergkamp, but, but a guy who's an all-time great potentially you know one of the best french players ever you know record goal scorer all this you know he never had he never had one season like messi or ronaldo where he scored 50 60 70 goals no. but i mean as far as you know like you said they set a different bar that is on another world you know a level that is is completely unrealistic for any other player and I think it's unrealistic. Even for Neymar, is never going to reach that. I don't think. And as far as no. you know, scoring that level, no, no maybe but, he might. Let alone it's more like right, right? But even maybe for a season. But who's who? Like you said, who the fuck is going to come out here and average 50, 60 goals a season for the better part of a decade? You know, in the end, it might be a decade of them scoring an average of 40,
0: 50 goals. Yeah, well, I can't. I just can't. Uh, like I couldn't conceive of it before never. I saw these two players. Never. Like there was, I think there was an Everton player one year could have been Dixie Dean well, way back in the day. And I remember, you know, he was uh, their club record scorer. Maybe he scored 50 goals in one season. And it was like, whoa, 50 goals, you know, and we have Messi and Ronaldo doing it season after season. It's just uh, like, we won't see the likes of them again, ever. He scored 60 goals in the 1927-28 season. So there you go. That's how. (laughs) That's how far back you have to go. Yeah. You know. Um, So, look, I think we've, uh, in many ways, been privileged to watch them do what they do, and this World Cup is probably the last time we'll see them at international level. um, And in time, we'll look back and think, well, in some ways, they made it normal, you know, because they did it so consistently. But what they've done is is absolutely abnormal. And I mean that in a good way.
1: Yeah, and not likely to be recreated. So definitely something that we need uh. to
0: to appreciate.
1: So you know we saw that from France. I think it definitely heading into the final, you know they look like the favorite going in. You know basically on by just about any metric. Um, mm. But just a, a quick bit on the other semifinal. You know we had it. We had a, you know England came out and basically had a perfect start to the match. You know set piece, get the goal. You have the mm. lead. Um, but I, I did read that that piece by Michael Cox about the tactical uh, failures of England um, in regards to the midfield and their movement. Um, do you think it was a really big opportunity missed, missed by them? I mean, I, I feel like watching that match, the better team ended up winning. But uh, what was your general assessment?
0: I agree. I think it's a huge opportunity lost for England. You know, uh, I can understand why everybody in England is and was excited by what was going on and enthused by the team and by what Gareth Southgate did. But I really feel like this was in some ways a perfect storm for England. The draw that they got that side of the draw, you know, um, I think he got a decent, don't don't ever get that
1: easy of a ride to
0: No, exactly. And then he got a decent ish group of players working together in a pretty effective way, but in a way that was very reliant on set pieces for the goals. Um, I'm not sure that it really worked from an attacking point of view, you know, in terms of the football that they played. Sorry. Um, You know, just having the, the one sitting midfielder, Jordan Henderson, I don't think he was really up to much, you know, it, it felt to me like if, if a team this could was going to be
1: if a team could win the fucking World Cup with Jordan Henderson sitting in, I don't know what the fuck to assess anymore. Yeah,
0: well, you know, I think they, you know, I think they they could have, and I I really think England should be in the final. Um, but the point I made, I'll come back to that in a sec. But the point I'm making about this is I'm not sure that at the next big international tournament, England are going to be any better than they were in this tournament and they're not going to have a better chance of getting to a final than they had the other night against Croatia. You know, they're, they're okay players. And Garrett Southgate has done an okay job and they scored a lot of goals from set pieces, um, which isn't something you can necessarily rely on. I mean, credit to them for doing it. And you practice and you, you work on those set pieces on the training ground, you get the reward fair play. But I'm not necessarily sure it's a, an indicator of, a, of uh, a really good team or a team that can play really good football. You know, England's games were functional. You know, they weren't exciting games of football. You didn't come out of that going, wow, England are playing extremely well. You could say, wow, England are good at winning. They're good at beating teams that they should beat. But they lost to Belgium and they lost to Croatia. And I'm not taking anything away by saying, you know, Sweden and Panama and Tunisia and all that, you know, you only can play who you're, you got to play. And if you beat them, then you're doing your job. But the question marks were there. When you win those games, the question is, can you win the next game against better opposition? Are you able to step it up? Can you produce the quality and the composure uh, on the night to... To beat an opponent who is probably a, a better, more organized, higher quality team than you, with players who have done things at a higher level than most of the England team, and the answer as we saw against Croatia was was no, and I think I mentioned it on the, the RS cast. <clears throat> the moment for me was when Harry Kane missed that <laughs> chance. You know, he's a striker and he's entitled to go for goal. People will make that excuse for him. But he's also the captain, and he's got to be aware that Raheem Sterling is literally three yards to his right-hand side. And if he squares the ball, the keeper's out of it. Sterling's got to tap in. England go 2-0 up against a team that's done two rounds of extra time. And I think that would have sapped the energy out of Croatia. Instead, Instead, what we saw was Croatia come out in the second half and improve and be better and take the game to England. And England didn't really have any idea how to to counter that. They didn't have any idea how to get back on top of the game. And pivotal moments, I know. uh, But that, I think, was was a really pivotal moment for England. Had Kane squared that, England would have gone 2-0 up. And I really think we'd be looking at an England-France final now.
1: Well, we all know how much, you know, how much and how important momentum is in any of these matches. And, you know, you can just feel when those chances go missing. You know, I remember watching, you know, you know, with certain teams in particular. And so England getting the goal early was probably what they needed for that match. And like you said, you know, capitalizing on another opportunity to make it in that pivotal moment just before halftime uh, could have done so much for them. You know, I remember when Mexico was playing Brazil and they had chances in the first half. and Like, you know, in a game that you're not supposed to win against better opposition you know, capitalizing on the momentum you have or, or a moment of dominance. If you if you can dominate the pitch for 20, 30 minutes and make these chances, you have to mm. make the most of it then. Otherwise, you're going to rue it later because it's going to change. You know, and so what you said, yeah. you know, Croatia totally came out and turned the screw in that second half, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I mean, because my biggest thing when looking into that was looking at the midfield matchup and just seeing what a mismatch it was as, as far as, as far, you know, and you have these guys in there with such good technique, and you know the way that I think it was Rakitic kept spraying balls, you know, left and right, but you know, perfectly weighted balls, you know, always extending it to the other fullback on one side or the other, and yeah. and they just moved it around with with such ease in that second half. You could just feel it. Felt like, uh, you know, like that trash the trash compactor scene in in Star Wars. You know, like the like the <laughs> roof was the roof was coming in on them. You know, the pressure was coming,
0: and it was just a matter of time. Yeah. Completely agree. You know, when you look at the quality that they had in there, not just Modric and Rakitic, but Perisic was absolutely great as well. Rebic was fantastic. And I think England had too many players on the night and in this tournament who have been below par. I know Harry Kane has scored some some goals, but I don't think he's played anywhere near as well as we've seen him play sometimes for Tottenham. Sure. You know, uh, Deli Alley, pretty much anonymous the whole tournament. I think uh, Sterling ha- has done all right, but marginalized a little bit by by those around him. I think he's a player who, you know, when he's playing with Manchester City, he's got he's got Sane around him, he's got De Bruyne around him, he's got Silva around him. You know, um, he's got someone like Sergio Aguero to work off. Whereas with England, he's got Ali, who is anonymous, uh, Lingard, who runs around, Harry Kane, and then behind that, Jordan Henderson is no David Silva when it comes to providing the kind of passes that that uh, that Raheem Sterling needs. So, you know, probably the standout players, if you were to think about England at this tournament, who are the standout players? Jordan Pickford and Harry Maguire. I'm sure. trippier. Defenders,
1: and I think that tells you about as much as you need to know. Yeah, and, you know, and to your point, you're talking about it on the Arscast as well. That you know, when he had the ball, you know, Sterling did look like one of the few players that actually, that actually could create something. You know, I think in his best moments, his movement made him look a little bit like. You know, the way that Hazard was doing stuff for Belgium, being able to turn out, you know, turn out of pressure and break into space with that sort of pace. But we didn't see it nearly enough and he didn't get that many opportunities. And so, I mean, they definitely, you know, when you look back at it and what was it? They had, you know, their their first shot was on target and was a goal and they didn't have another one on target. Was it the rest of the Mm -hmm. match or one in extra time? I mean, really.
0: Tells you a story.
1: Yeah, it tells you. Look, if you, you couldn't put a fucking shot on target the entire rest of the match, you don't deserve to win.
0: Yeah, I don't know too many people who could argue with that. It's it, it, uh, it, it, it's an illustration of the shortcomings, right, of the England team. Like, as soon as they got set pieces, you could hear the commentators yeah. get excited. You could hear them go, "Ooh, maybe this is it. Maybe they, you know they'll <laughs> bump it in there, and Harry Maguire can get his head on it, or who knows." But that's that's what they were reliant on, and. If you If you come up against a team that's committed defensively and organized defensively and willing to challenge for everything, then it becomes very, very difficult to score. If your, if your main source of goals is corners, free kicks, other set pieces, you know um, yeah. you need a bit more variety to your game than that.
1: So now a little bit about Croatia. You know they they did come through. They had they showed the the strength and willpower to come through. Like you said, a, a few very tough and mentally harrying matches, and did it oh. again, coming from behind to win here. Um, I I've been of the belief that I did think this team could go this far if their pieces, who are all very very good pieces, you know, like I said, they're lacking they're lacking the world class superstar center forward. You know, sure, sure, Mancukus used to play for. Bayern Munich, and he still plays for Juventus, but it's not—he's not Cristiano. He's not even Iguain. Um, and you have a guy like Rakitic, or not Rakitic, but Perisic. I'm sorry. Um, and these are both guys that are doing really well. Perisic has been playing very well at Inter Milan in the past couple seasons, and has become much more clinical. And uh, and you know, you see these two guys combining. You know, it was uh, Perisic's flick on for Mandzukic for the goal in extra time, and Perisic scored the for the, or the earlier goal. Um, these guys have all been contributing and really doing the bit that they mm. needed to, to, to make it, you know, to make it to execute. Cause these guys are kind of sharing the burden amongst themselves. You know, it's not that one has five goals, you know, you're getting it from a few of these guys. All let's see what two from Perisic, one from V to the center back two from Modric, for, I think were the penalties mm. and Rebic. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty well spread apart and two for Mandzukic. So they're getting the contribution from across the line. You know, it's not being shouldered by one player. Um, but, uh, you know, they're they're really doing it amongst the entire team. And I, I think they've really shown, you know, they do they really do seem to play better as a cohesive unit than a lot of these other teams, which we've seen flame out at earlier stages. You know, I think they could have done, they would have done the same sort of job against a few other uh, smaller teams earlier in the tournament. And, you know, I think even with, like the group stage, I think it was very evident when they, how they bossed Argentina, you know, the collection of you know yeah. the, the old adage of of a team versus you know t- an actual team versus a team of individuals in Argentina it was was very evident with the way they dominated them.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we have to, in some ways, put the Argentina performance into context. You know, based on what we saw from Argentina for the rest of the tournament, <laughs> right. but it still was very impressive. You know, um, there there's a sort of ruthlessness. About them that you don't see too often, or certainly we haven't seen too much in this World Cup. You know, I think the two goals against England were good il- illustrations of that. You know, England, you you couldn't say that either goal was the result of a uh, an error, like a significant error, but what they were were goals that came about from very slight lapses in concentration. One from Kyle Walker. The other one from, I think, both Harry Maguire and John Stones were found wanting there. Maguire could see that Mandzukic was lurking off Stones' shoulder and should have given him a shout. He didn't. And, you know, it's that half a second where yeah. you don't react quickly enough. So I think that's what's really interesting about Croatia is the ability to react to those moments uh, and to to be efficient with them as well. You know, to score the goals, to take the chances, to... Uh, to change the dynamic of a game because really as soon as Croatia scored that goal, the momentum was with them entirely. And there was nothing Gareth Southgate could do to change that. You know, he, 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 I think he, in some ways, I'm not going to say he bottled it, but I think, you know, he made the wrong changes in a way for me. If you're going to bring Rashford on, bring him on. But, Take Delhi Ali off because Ali was nowhere in that game, as he has been for most of the tournament, apart from the one goal that he scored. He's been, I think, playing through an injury, probably selfishly because it's a World Cup and what have you. And you can understand a player wants to play, but you know he he he's been well below par. And I think a more experienced manager might have been able to get England back into that game, but Southgate wasn't.
1: You know, and like you said, that's you know, like you said, a more experienced manager. He really hasn't done much um si- since his mm. you know, like what, what big clubs has he managed? You know, there's not there's not a lot there. There's not or nothing there, right? Mm-hmm. He's been in, the, he he's, been in the, he's been in the England setup, coaching the right Middlesbrough and then what, the England youth setup, right? The under 21s. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean it certainly isn't isn't a long a long CV. Um yeah, and you know, and but I mean all, all I'll say at the end of that is that, you know, this I couldn't bring myself to root for England in any of these matches. <laughs> I looked out on the pitch and saw players from every fucking team I despise, and way too many Spurs yeah. players. And it's like, oh, Spurs, Liverpool, United, great, fuck off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, like you said, I mean, they would have, you know, Spurs fans would have wanted to take all the credit had they won the World Cup. So you know, it ends up so Spursy they can they can take the credit for the loss as well. So
0: yes, yes, eat, let's pin it all on Tottenham. I think let's, let,
1: I mean, you know why not? They would have they would have tried to take all the glory anyway. So fuck them. Um, So so the final set, we have Croatia versus France. I think France are quite heavy favorites, although I think it would be a bit silly to count out Croatia. Um, Mm. What say you as far as how it's going to shake out? Um,
0: I think it'll be tight. I think France's freshness will probably be the advantage that they need. I think the two teams are fairly evenly matched. Uh, I, do, I feel like France have got a bit more depth and perhaps a bit more up front than Croatia, but Croatia as a team, as you said, you know they, they work very well together and they, uh, they can produce in, in key moments in games. But the fact that Croatia basically played one game more in the space of what ten days? Yeah, that's got to have an effect on them. Um, so, I if I was putting money on it, I would put it on. I would put it on France to win by by one goal, whether that's one nil or two one or something. I'm not quite sure. Um, But I'm hopeful, you know, I have to say I have a soft spot for France because down the years Arsenal have had lots of French players and Arsene Wenger and all that kind of stuff. But it would be an amazing story, wouldn't it, for Croatia to go all the way and win a World Cup final uh, when you consider the history and the fact that, um, you know, it's such a, a, a new nation and everything else. It would be an amazing story. So, my heart would like Croatia to win it, but my head tells me France will.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think I'm actually going to go with Croatia, even though my my head tells my head tells me France for all those exact yeah. same reasons that that you you outlined. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just their year. I feel like you know the cohesiveness amongst that squad. I think they're going to pull it off with a similar scoreline. I'm going to go two one. To Croatia, even though, even though I think it's insane, I look at it and I'm like, no, it's this is this is certainly Francis for the losing. I think you know, I think if this if yeah. they lose this, it's going to be considered a huge opportunity missed. When you know you know any time that you're a, you're a favorite with a team this talented, I mean anything less than winning, I think is, I mean you know anyone loses the World Cup final, it's a huge disappointment. But but I mean they mm. have it and they they should win it, but. Yeah and you know and honestly I'll be happy for them if they do you know I'd love to see a Giroud goal at the, at the back post you know imagine him being a world cup winner <laughs> world cup winning goal from Giroud I'll take it I'll happily be wrong about my prediction you know and, yeah, yeah. and enjoy that for them um, but I don't know I just have this weird little inkling and it's just one of those that just yeah. that I, you know I think. So, yeah,
0: some, sometimes you have a feeling you gotta
1: go with yeah. the feeling you know so, well, we shall see it's it's going to be really exciting. I would ask you to preview, I would ask you to preview the third place match, but we all know that, that Belgium's yeah. going to whip. Sorry, England. The second string is going to whip them. But
0: yeah, I, I could I can't even begin to express how little I care about that match. <laughs> I know it's like we can just pretend that it doesn't even exist.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you get you get um, seventeen to one for Croatia to win two one. Apparently, that's I just looked hey. up the odds there.
1: Well, I might have a punt. Sure. Seventeen to one. I, that's you know two one is two one is the scoreline that I am predicting. For Croatia, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, I might stick a fiber on that man. Yeah,
1: not too shabby. Um, so, as far as the tournament as a whole, you know, I think we've had a, a great level of entertainment. I think as a tournament, you know, in general, it it it's lived up to any expectations. You know, drama, whatnot. I don't think there's been very many dull matches aside from a couple of those dead rubber uh, group mm. stage matches. Um, as far as individual awards go, are there any particular players that stood out for you? Do you have? Um, can you give me a best? Let's start with a best defender of the tournament.
0: Varane, Varane for me. I think he's been outstanding for France. I think he's he's shown that he's ready to step out of the shadow of uh, Sergio Ramos. Yeah. You know he's quick, strong. He's good in the air, and uh, for me, along with Harry Maguire, I think he's had a very good tournament for England. He's the he's the standout defender. Who have you got?
1: I think Varan has been the best defender in the tournament as, as far as what he's shown us. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Vida from Croatia. Okay, I mean he's been very tenacious. Uh, I I'm definitely not gonna give Lovren the credit he so wishes. <laughs> I, I almost think actually that fucking quote yesterday when <laughs> about him being considered one of the best defenders in the world just kind of kind of sealed it for him that he's gonna pull some fucking Liverpool's, Liverpool Liverpool yeah.
0: bullshit. to to concede a goal in this fucking final man Man, i mean why would you say that you know listen well if you we remember back last season he was he was taken off against spurs yeah and uh, you know that's humiliating for any player and especially an experienced player and and a a defender to be taken off midway through the first half whatever it was you know to bounce back and to to be part of this fantastic croatia team the guy deserves a lot of credit for that he deserves a lot of credit for winning his place back at Liverpool and for what he's doing with Croatia. But you know, shh, shut your fucking Wait mouth. Till Wait till after the final. Don't right. fucking, Don't do it. I know. How many times have we seen it or heard it? You know, it's like, oh, fuck.
1: Like, could that come so, back yeah. and bite him in the ass? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, Maybe. I, I'm gonna spring for Vita. I think he's been the he's been the kind of the all-action kind of the Koscielny for them. I guess, I guess I would say in terms of his style of play, kind of the. You know, going in and breaking up tackles. He also, you know, he scored off a corner earlier in the tournament. Um, mm. So I, I don't think he's the best defender in the tournament, but I think he's had a great tournament and been very vital for them them reaching the final. So he's going to be my pick there. Um, okay. How about how about goalkeeper? Is there any particular goalkeeper that stood out for you?
0: Yeah, Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford. You know, I think that's one of the other things that people people aren't really talking about uh, when it comes to england is uh, everybody saying jordan pickford was fantastic and made some amazing saves and um you know the penalty shootout he made an incredible save there and a an, uh, brilliant save before the penalty shootout uh, the, uh whoever their Columbia was uh, who scored from the resulting corner so that the save didn't get the the um maybe the the coverage it, it deserved but What's not being said about the fact that Jordan Pickford is making lots of good saves is the fact that he has had to make lots of good saves to keep England in games and to keep them ahead and to to play a big part in their progress. So it's, it's fantastic when your keeper plays well, but me, I'd prefer not to see my goalkeeper for 90 minutes, if at all possible. I know it's not, but... You've got to have that. You've got the. you got to have the two sides of the coin. Yeah. If your goalkeeper is making lots of good saves, it means that your defense is letting uh, letting too many uh, opportunities on goal. Uh, yeah, I remember. So,
1: yeah, I remember the last World Cup, and there was all this talk about um, Tim Howard's performance for the United States against Belgium, and it's like. Mm. He was getting peppered with shots every two fucking minutes. <laughs> like this yeah. is not. Yeah. It was not a good thing that he had to face and make. I don't know what the number was. Fourteen fucking saves in a match or some some insane number. It's like because yeah. you're playing like dog shit and getting beat the hell up. Yeah, yeah. Who's your keeper? Uh, I'm gonna stick with Croatia. I really, I really like Subasic. You know, I, I've, I've, mm. s- I've seen him play before. I've been impressed with them, but particularly in the in the first couple matches. You know, it's. I think you can relate to this. We see players and to, to your point about the Columbia and England, say penalty kick shootout, we saw our ever so great Dave in goal for Columbia. You know, you saw the last shot hit his hand and still go in. And it wasn't just a fingertip. It hit hit his fucking hand. And, you know, you see certain goalkeepers and you feel like they have strong wrists, you know, like if it hits their fucking hand, it's not going in. It's not going to bend back. They make these saves and uh, Subasic just really impressed me since the beginning of the tournament, making big saves and big moments, and just seeming like you know just a really strong guy that you know if he got in front of it was going to make the stop. And he's performed mm. amazingly well. You know, made the saves, and you know he's had to endure two penalty shootouts and come through it and made saves in both. Um, so yeah, he's he's my pick.
0: Yeah. Okay, I won't argue with that. I won't argue.
1: Did you have anyone in particular there's a, like a, a surprise at to the tournament, whether it be a player or a team? Was there one anything in particular that really stood out to you?
0: Um, was there a player who was a surprise? Um, that's a That's a really good question. I did try and think of this earlier. I suppose the surprise for me was the fact that that Germany was so bad, mm. and it's amazing how, like I wasn't expecting Germany to win. But isn't it amazing how tired a team can look when they go through something like this? How era-defining it is. All of a sudden, you're at the end of an era with Germany, a Germany team that's been absolutely fantastic for however many years, and kind of the same with Spain, but that was to be expected, I think, a little bit with Spain. Yeah. So I think Germany's uh, absolute failure... In the to get out of the group stage was the big surprise of the the tournament for me.
1: Fair, fair, fair. What about you? Um, I don't know that I. You know, I as far as the teams go, you know, like you, I th- I did think Germany was probably going to make the, at least a quarterfinal. You know, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think anyone would have picked them going out of the group stage. That's that's for certain. Um, I I thought Torreira was actually a revelation. You know, and something that's really exciting for us as far as players go. Yeah. For a guy who can yeah. go from having just got into the squad, you know, I just started watching some compilations for him, you know, I think the other people that really performed were people you would expect to perform, you know? Yeah, sure, Mbappe announced himself, but, you know, those of us who watched, you know, with, regular, with regularity, this this is no surprise to us. Um, yeah. So he'd be the, you know, kind of selfishly the player that I was excited to see and was something that was a bit of a, a breath of fresh air. Um but team-wise, you know, there wasn't a lot that really really shocked me. I mean, I suppose even England making it as far as they did was a shock to me because yeah, I, kept pick, I kept picking against them just about every, uh, every chance I could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as far as players go, I'd, I'd say that Torreira that, uh, was one of the most exciting things I saw by Yeah, far. okay. All right, and let's, let's get to the I last one. We, let's saying. get to the last one. We can wrap okay. this up. Give me your golden ball winner. Who is the player of the tournament for you?
0: player of the tournament I think maybe Luka Modric because he's kind of the the Croatian glue he keeps everything together for that team you know he hasn't necessarily been the most eye-catching you know hasn't scored the most goals or made the most assists but i think in terms of his influence on a team and its belief in itself i think a lot of that comes from from luka modric so i think he's the guy for me
1: i, I can't argue with that that might have been might have been my choice that mm. you not made that You know, it's and it's certainly it's going to be easier to make this decision after the final on Sunday, because generally, you know, the the, you know, the player comes from the team that wins it more often than not.
0: Yeah. But um, like if Mbappe scores a couple of goals in the final, it's going to be him. Yeah. So maybe he'll deserve it then, because because of that. Sure. Like Harry Kane has scored six goals, in no way has he been the <laughs> player of the tournament. You know, right. he, he just simply hasn't been. Is is it so, not the most
1: spursy so, thing ever? Is that he can take home he can take home the the one pot that doesn't matter for
0: shit? Yeah, exactly. Another individual award to put on his mantelpiece. Great. Um Yeah, you know that that's the that's the thing you have to look at a player's impact on his team and how far that team has gone and what has that team done and what Croatia have done to get to a final is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, other players might've scored goals, but you know, I don't believe Croatia would be in the final without Luka Modric. So yeah, he's, he's the guy, he's the guy.
1: Yeah. That's completely fair. I think uh, we could see a performance from Varane that could earn him that same sort of, um, credit it'd be a little bit of a long shot you know see the defender win it um but actually i was going to go with Rakitic for croatia um you know he scored the ceiling penalty to send them through on two consecutive rounds i think he's been just about as vital you know i mean the 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 partnership between those two between him and modric has been fantastic to watch you know they i mean they're the mm. biggest part you know with the entire midfield has been great but those two guys working in sync in the middle of the pitch has been you know as, as a you know as a as a man who played center midfield most of his life, that's where that's where my eye always goes. And I'm watching it, you know, the, who's at the heartbeat, who's pulling the strings, how are they making it work. And I think them in tandem has been the best partnership in in this World Cup. So I'm just going to give my shot to Rakitic. Okay. Okay. They cool. share it around. Yeah.
0: They can share. They can timeshare the, yeah. the award.
1: And I think, and I don't know, if there's any way for them to do it, Give them to give them a, a co-award might... I know it's not really in the spirit of awards. Someone's got to be a win. It's a very American thing for there to only be one winner. <laughs> it's always me first. But you know, I, I think that's something they could enjoy and share together.
0: No doubt, it's prestigious this uh, podcast award that we've given yep. them. You know, I hope they appreciate it yep. as much as they enjoy appreciate the award on the beach when they win it on Sunday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> take it, take it to Ibiza. It'll be a, it'll be an official morning pint mug full of who knows what they want. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But anyways, it's been an absolute joy to watch this World Cup. Thank you so much for coming on these couple times to join me, Andrew. Uh, Hey, pleasure. Yeah, you can follow Andrew on Twitter at ArsBlog. Check him out. Check out his writing at ArsBlog.com. Support the podcast. Become a member. All those fun things. It's thoroughly worth it. I've enjoyed it since I've joined. Um, Yeah, so thanks so much, Andrew. We'll uh, enjoy this final and get ready for club football to come
0: back this weekend for sure yeah yeah enjoy the final yourself have a, a good couple of beers and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up during the season no doubt cheers thank you it's hot at night in the summertime, the, summertime. the summer's mine, summer's mine. that's underlined underline. king push king pin putting on over mine Dope no boys working overtime, lot of hustle, got an open mind. Real time foreign cars, real time foreign broads.
1: Watch face frozen time. True drum overlord, we just going overboard. Yacht
0: parties, jet skis, say you ballin', let's see. Pull up in the SL, let her do the SC. Ask her what's her ring size, let her do the Gretzky. I just do the king size. All I know is ringside,
1: all we do is celebrate. you knowin' how the king ride, push.
0: 01110011 Crying zeros and I'm Cut my summer turn my back Pour of them up, walk, 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 Cut my walk, 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 walk,